Good morning, Oakwood. Glad you're here this morning. Uh, we're in a series called Christmas in the Chaos, Part 3. We've been uh, looking at different characters uh, from the Christmas story over the last few weeks and uh, just trying to see uh, what they had to go through and like how uh, God was using them and using their situation um, in spite of all that was going on in the world to, to bring about the birth of His Son. And over the last two weeks, uh, we examined all of the events that were leading up to the birth of Jesus. Now we're going to be looking at the aftermath of that. T- today we're going to start looking at after Christ was born, what happened. And this morning we're going to get to look at three sets of characters. Uh, ones that are very famous to the story, ones that you've seen or heard of, ones that are in your nativity scene maybe that you've set up. We're going to be talking about the shepherds. We're going to be talking about the wise men. And then we're going to be talking just a little bit about King Herod and his role. You know, Herod was one of those that had a hard time grappling with the idea of a new king because he thought he was the king of the Jews. He felt threatened in his position since he was the uh, current ruler. The shepherds were just uh, commoners that were doing their job um, out in the fields. And then the second set that we're going to look at is the magi or the wise men. You see, some of these characters, they saw the opportunity to be a part of the Christmas story. And when it presented themselves to them, they took an action toward God. They discovered amazing truths about who Jesus was at His birth. They saw miracles and miraculous things happen. But there were also characters in our story that didn't respond the same way. In fact, they missed out on a huge opportunity to be a part of something much bigger than themselves. So let's dive in. Let's read this passage together. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and this morning we're going to begin with verse 8. If you didn't bring a Bible, feel free to grab the one that's around you there, turn it to page 857, you'll be right where we need to be this morning. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 8, you can also follow along in the uh, app, it has all the notes and all the scriptures there for you. Again, Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 8, and it says this, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Hey, let us go and see, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. One of the things I think that we can learn and one of the things that we need to learn as Christ followers and those that love Jesus, that sometimes we need to choose eternal impact more than momentary responsibility. We need to 
we need to choose eternal impact more than momentary responsibility. Because I think many times God does His best work outside of routine. And sometimes God wants to break our routine to get our attention. His work will sometimes take us away from the mundane. It will take us away from what we would call ordinary life. And sometimes we're even called to leave momentary responsibility. Let me explain what I mean by that. The shepherds that were out in the fields at night, uh, working the night shift, watching the flocks, they had a job to do. Their job as shepherd was to keep the sheep together and to protect them, or to protect the sheep. And you you say that, and you say, well, that's that's pretty easy to understand, easy job, you know, you're just out there at night, you know, it's, it's pretty quiet. You have to understand, when the angel appeared to them, and then it says, with the heavenly host, which is all the armies of heaven, all the angel armies of heaven, I mean, that would really get your attention. You're working the night shift, it's pretty quiet, maybe a little in the background. That's all you're hearing, it's pretty chill, maybe even dozing off just a little bit as you're watching over the sheep, making sure they're not getting attacked, making sure they're not wandering off, going astray. It's pretty calm, the angels come. And the angels give them some news that's going to actually interrupt them because they're going to have a choice to make. Are they going to leave their momentary responsibility to go and see the Christ child? Because they believe in their job, they believe in their post. It's an interruption to what was mundane, maybe ordinary. Most of those guys had probably worked the night shift for a long time. They knew what it felt like. They knew some of the dangers if they left a flock. And yet, the angels called them and said, hey, this will be a sign to you. You go into Bethlehem, you'll find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. A manger is a feeding trough. And shepherds would be familiar with the feeding trough. And they're like, okay, we're going to go see this. I mean, the angels have come. It's pretty exciting. You know, what, what's our response going to be? I think this is the way it is in our lives many times. Is there are times where God may inconvenience us a little. He may ask us to actually leave our momentary responsibility and all the cares of this world to actually go and respond to something of eternal impact. You may have felt that way. You may have walked away from conversations They said, man, should I have engaged there? Should I have talked to that person? You you may have situations that have come up at your workplace, maybe on the soccer uh, field sideline as you're talking to other parents. You've had situations where you had a momentary responsibility that maybe you needed to put it on pause. Maybe you needed to put it off just a little bit so that you could respond to a situation in a moment that could have eternal impact. A moment that could be really, really significant for the kingdom of God. And I'm not coming to you this morning because I'm good at this or because I've got this all figured out or every time I feel the Holy Spirit or God nudge that I'm the one that responds this way. It's something that I'm learning, but I'm asking you to learn it with me. Because sometimes those momentary responsibilities are going to go to the wayside so that we can be a part of something significant that God wants to do. And you think about it in regard to these shepherds. I'm sure that, that some of them thought, well, how irresponsible for some of the shepherds would leave leave their post at night, leaving their flock out there. It was grossly negligent for them to do that. Yet, what was the best choice? To be a part of God's story? To be a part of the announcing of the good news of great joy, which shall be for all people, that Jesus, the Son of God, was going to be born? When we think of it today, and think, yeah, leave the sheep and go greet the King. That maybe it wasn't so easy for some of them. I try to think about these circumstances and put myself in these situations. And I, I wonder, you know, was there some peer pressure with the shepherds? Uh, y'all may remember peer pressure in high school. 
The best way I know to describe it is uh, when somebody decided they were going to do something, uh, usually something wrong, something you know, that they shouldn't be doing anyway. Uh, maybe they're going to skip school, or you know, maybe they're just going to play a prank on somebody, or they're going to do something. Maybe they're going to steal something, move it somewhere. But usually this is how that would go down. Someone would have the idea, and they'd, they'd pitch it to their, their group, right? Their friends. They'd pitch it to them. And everybody in the group would be like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. But then no one would really act. Everyone would kind of hold off. No one would really act until they saw who all's going. Is said, hey, man, are you going to go? Are you going to skip school tomorrow? Are you going to go do this? Are you going to go do that? And everybody would kind of wait to see. And then what normally happened, and this is how peer pressure works, is whatever the majority of the group decided to do, then you would decide to do it with them. So if the majority had decided, yeah, we're all going to skip school tomorrow, and, and most of the group was going to do that, then you might be likely to follow along. And there was this pressure to do what the pack was doing, what the majority of people were doing. I wonder if it was like that for the shepherds as they're out there at night. I think, I think there were probably a couple of the shepherds that said, hey man, we've got to be responsible. We can't leave these sheep here. I mean, that could have been their family's sheep. Or maybe it, maybe it was their, their boss's sheep. But they had a responsibility to fulfill. And if you had studied the Bible and you knew stories of David, King David, when he was out there, you knew that there were lions and bears in that very area that would sometimes come and attack the sheep. So they, they took a risk. They risked losing something. Maybe, maybe their family or their owner's livelihood with sheep being killed. We don't know how the decision was made to leave, but we know that the shepherds left. And it was when they made that choice to leave that momentary responsibility to seek something of eternal impact, that's when they got to meet Jesus. There will be times in life when God sends us opportunities for significance. And many times I think those times will feel like an interruption. Might make you late for something. Might even mean not doing something that you were supposed to do in order to see something of eternal significance in a moment. But we see from the shepherd's story that that was a risk that they were willing to take and that they were blessed for it. Their story is recorded even into eternity because they chose to be a part of something God was doing rather than being caught up in what was momentary. Let us be the type that are willing to take that risk too. What are you doing right now when God calls? What are you doing right now when maybe you don't have an angel of the Lord appear to you, but you have someone in need appear to you? You have a situation come up before you that you know you can inject some grace and some love and some peace from God. But your attention is so pulled with the, what did Paul say, the light and momentary struggles of this world. They keep us distracted. They keep us on notice for only the things that are for temporary here, not things that are in in eternity for God. You see, some of these things have implications for eternal life and even heaven. And we might just miss out on the Savior too. Don't miss the eternal impact. And you have those opportunities that come your way. And each of one of us is unique. Each one of us doesn't have the exact same thing happen. We're not in the exact same situations or circumstances as we go out this week. But we will have opportunities. And what if your opportunity is something simple? Like to just take one of the cards off the info centers and, and invite someone to come experience Jesus at Christmas. Your momentary responsibilities sometimes need 
to be put to the wayside so that you can experience something God is doing of eternal consequence. The shepherds, great part of the Christmas story and great response they have because they got to go and experience Jesus. And then we get to the next group that we want to talk about this morning, the Magi or the wise men, and their story is found in Matthew. So if you're in Luke chapter 2, if you'll turn back a couple of books to the left in your Bible and go to Matthew chapter 2, there in Matthew's gospel, we read about the Magi or the wise men. We're going to begin with verse 1 and read through verse 12 there, and toward the end of this passage, we also encounter Herod, who was the king over the Jews in that time, and And we get to see how these wise men actually responded. They weren't even from the area. Uh, They had traveled a long distance. But they come and they seek the king as well, the baby king. This is what it says, Matthew 2, verse 1. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least amongst the rulers of Judah, For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Jerusalem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I may too go and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it was at rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they fell down and they worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and of frankincense and of myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. It's interesting, these stargazers from the east. In reading and trying to study the Magi or what we call the wise men in Scripture, there are many different scholars that have many different theories on where they came from and who they were. Something new that I read this year is there are actually some historians um, that believe in the Christmas story here, that these were actually leaders of a, pers- of a Persian astrological religion. They were from Persia and they were actually astrologers and that was actually uh, part of their religious beliefs was the stars and the alignment in the sky. You could say this, that they were as far from Jewish religion as possible and yet when the star appeared in the sky and God somehow spoke to them, they decided this all was worth checking out. And they somehow knew and had ascertained that that star was representing a newborn king. One who was going to be the king of the Jews. They made a several months long journey to come and to seek and to see. Now you have to understand that it's, 
travel back in that time was not like today. You know, obviously they didn't have, you know, a, an airplane they could get on or even an automobile. It was several months uh, to travel from Persia over to this part. And yet they were dedicated. If you think about it, in seeking uh, the, following the star and seeking the newborn king of the Jews in this way, they had to make a lot of sacrifices. There was a sacrifice of time, obviously. Sacrifice of finances. And even when they came and worshipped the king, they offered him uh, very extravagant and expensive gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And, but they were apart because they sought after the Christ child. And they thought, well, if there's actually stars in the heaven that would announce his birth, this was surely something they should go and see for themselves. I want you to understand this morning that God is available to any who seek him. God is available to any who seek him. And even these magi from Persia, when they went and sought after the newborn king, they found him. And when they did, they sought the truth of who he was. Even if it meant getting out of their comfort zone. Even maybe if it didn't line up with what they had thought they had believed before. They were stepping outside of that. And following the miraculous star. And beginning to believe in the truth of who God was and who his son Jesus was. I want you to imagine for a second this morning. What it would be like to be an outsider coming in. I mean, I was trying to picture, what, what, what if this morning a, a fortune teller in full costume came walking into the church this morning? What about an addict coming off a rough Saturday night? What about people who are just different than us? They get different clothes, perhaps different smell, different nationality. What if it were a Muslim family? How would we respond to them? Would we embrace them? Would they make us a little bit nervous? I'd hope that we'd be welcoming to them because Scripture says that we're supposed to be hospitable to outsiders. I know that can sometimes be a bit out of the norm for us, but I want you to put yourself in those people's shoes. Imagine if you're really trying to seek the truth about who Jesus is. Where's the most logical place to go to learn this? It would be the bride of Christ. It would be His church. It would be where all the people there say, hey, we're Christians and we're Christ followers. I think that's what we see here in the story of the Magi. They were uncomfortable. They were, they, were, they were seekers though. And for all intents and purposes, they didn't belong in the birth of the newborn king of the Jews being astrologers from Persia. But they decided to risk feeling out of place. They decided to risk the sacrifice of time and finances to find out for themselves who Jesus really was. In Jeremiah 29, verse 13, it reminded me of this verse where God said this. He said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I think that's the beauty of the Christmas story. Is that we actually see that promise acted out. Even for those people that we might assume God might reject or God might not want them to be a part of the Christmas story. You see, God has made Himself available to everyone who seeks Him. His grace is available to everyone who asks for it. His love is available to anyone who would accept it. It might take a step outside of your comfort zone. It might, for some of you, take you a step outside of your preconceived notions of what you knew and thought was true about God. 
But I will tell you this, you will seek Him and you will find Him when you pursue Him and seek Him with all of your heart. You need to remember. Some of us need to remember what it was like before we accepted Jesus Christ. Even those of us who are saved, we were all God-seekers to this end at one time in our life. And if you come seeking God today, then I want to welcome you here. I want to say that it is good that you are seeking Him. It is good that you have come to church and have sought after this Christmas story, perhaps. It doesn't matter where your past has left you, who you were, who you are, where you've come from. It's just like the Magi in our story, uh, these wise men from Persia, out of place, probably with a past, didn't line up with the Scriptures, didn't seem so much to be a part of the fellowship with God's Son. And yet when they saw the star, when they saw the miracle, they came and they worshipped. And they offered Him gifts. And we can do the same thing today. You see, God sent His Son for everyone. Even for the wise men. But you can't miss that here in our passage of Matthew that He also was available to Herod as well. King Herod. King of the Jews. But the unfortunate thing was that Herod was more concerned about the kingdom he had built and to himself more than God's kingdom that had come to earth. You see, the fact is that God is more concerned with people and who we are more than any position that we could hold in this world. But Herod didn't see it that way. That's why we are told in Scripture to hold on to things loosely in this world. To hold on tightly to the things that are eternal. And because he couldn't focus on anything except the kingdom that he had built to himself, Herod missed Christmas. He missed a part that he could have played in the story of Jesus, the Son of God, coming into the world. You know, we come to this Christmas season, and I think it's a time of reflection. And I think there's so many times we get to this time of year, and maybe everyone, maybe on a different level or to a different degree, but I think everyone begins to question more the meaning of life. What am I here for? What is life really all about? And as you drive around and you see Christmas trees and Christmas lights and nativity scenes and read Christmas stories and we make big of this season of the year, what's it really all about? You see, in the story of Jesus' birth that we've read today, in Luke chapter 2 and in Matthew chapter 2, we see three sets of people. They're a part of the greatest story ever told. Some of those groups become allies of the Lord. And one maintains his distance. And ultimately that one that maintained his distance, he died in relative historical obscurity, even though he was the king. While the other two sets now live on, they live on in countless Christmas cards, Christmas carols that we sing, maybe the nativity sets that we have in our homes. Shepherds and wise men from Persia, but not Herod, the king of the Jews. And as shepherds and wise men sought after God, I don't want you to miss the main point of it this morning. 
Yeah, they were called God seekers. They were the ones that came to the Christ child just after his birth. And they were coming to seek after him. But don't miss the fact that God was seeking after them. He was seeking after them by sending his one and only son, born in Bethlehem, to take on the sins of everyone from everywhere. And that truth carries us even into today. Because I think those same angels that proclaimed to those shepherds in the fields that night that Christ was born would proclaim to us today, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. For unto you, yes, unto you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior for you, who is Christ the Lord. And you read the Christmas accounts and you understand that this will be a sign unto you. All of the miracles of Christmas and everything that came into alignment, and all the prophecy from the Old Testament that brought us to this moment in Bethlehem where the Son of God was born to take on the sins of the world. You want to know how much God pursued you? He pursued you to the point that He sent His Son to put on flesh and to dwell among us, but He didn't stop there. He also sent Him to be a sacrifice. minute Jesus drew his first breath as a baby in this world, he was sentenced to death by your sin, by my sin. And God sought after you with such reckless love that he said, it's worth it. I'm going to send my son. He's going to teach him some things on how to live, but he's going to ultimately die as a sacrifice so that I can win back my kids. So I can have a relationship with these that are left behind. I ask you this morning, will you seek Him? And understand that He is seeking you. Something that I taught long ago when I was in youth ministry. I tell my youth groups this many times. If there were a thousand steps between you and God, God would take every step of that except one. 999 steps He would take toward you. You would just have to take one step toward Him. To accept Him and love Him as your personal Lord and Savior. Say, you are the Son of God and you died for my sins and I love you and I accept your free gift of grace and forgiveness. You see, He's still seeking today. And if you're outside of His grace this morning, I just want you to know, when Jesus died, you were on His mind. His greatest gift that you could bring Him this Christmas is by giving Him your heart. Let's pray.